You're tuning in to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania every weekday at 9am and um, at 4.30pm in Tasmania and those in Tasmania can listen in can listen at 4.30 p.m. in the evening. And I'm your host, Tabitha Zachariah, and uh, today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launchstone. Um, and David has been doing his series of programs titled The Coming King, and uh, today David will be talking about Good God, Bad World. Welcome, David. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Tabitha? I hope you've had a good week, David, so far. I've had a very good week, thanks. Had a few days off and uh, really enjoyed that. That's good. It's important. And um, mm. David, you've had many stories to share. <laughs> I feel like you always have a story to share. And that is, <laughs> we appreciate that. We appreciate hearing your stories because they are very inspiring. Um, do you have something new to share with us today? Uh, yes, I do, Tabitha. Thanks for that. I've been sharing some of the challenges I've faced as a Christian, and now I've, I'm sure I've still got many more years to go, although none of us really know. Um, well, some of the challenges that I've faced, I'm sure that other people have faced, and how I've seen my way through them is sometimes an encouragement to other people. Mm. One of the biggest challenges that I've faced as a, um, as a, as a Christian, <coughs> in my Christian walk, pardon me, Mm-hmm. was uh, raising a child uh, for me i've only raised one child and some people have raised many many i've got some friends up here in Launceston who've got seven children and i think wow you know i take my hat off to people who can raise that many that's my parents but, <laughs> yes and my mum she raised six as well so mum and dad so uh, one of the challenges i faced was uh, having this new life come into the world and us being a part of it and it was scary because at the hospital they give you this child Mm -hmm. and you take it home and if they knew you perhaps they wouldn't give you the child (laughs) (laughs) because you don't know what you're doing Mm-hmm. And and as we went home, um, we had sold everything that we had. This is not something I recommend you do. Um, we sold everything we had in Western Australia, you know, all the furniture and all those big things. Mm-hmm. And we moved across Australia again, back to eastern states where I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only had 17 boxes that we put on a backfill on a truck that was coming back this way. Uh, we didn't have a lot, but after selling all our furniture, we had a whole lot less. We had nothing. Mm-hmm. And so we stayed with my mum and dad for a little while. Then we uh, moved down the road into Woomba to uh, a lady's house who was moving into a, a nursing home, and she kindly allowed us to come and stay in her house. Mm-hmm. Once we moved from there, we were basically starting from scratch. We had absolutely nothing, you know, and we had to um, work. We, I was working back in the aircraft industry and trying to find the money to get started again, you know, um, pooling our funds with other people who had uh, low income. Mm. and uh, buying boxes of vegetables and, and and boxes of fruit and sharing it between us, you know, for a week. And we were getting by on about $60 a week, you wow. know, for food. And we were getting by, you know, God really provided. And that, for me, was the really big thing, you know, as a Christian, really only, you know, a, a new Christian for a few years, <clears throat> and then having this child to raise. 
you realize your inadequacies you realize that you know you don't really know as much as you think you do mm. and and so you you have to look for help outside yourself some people use a crutch and when, what i mean by that is some people use drugs and alcohol and other addictions to cope what we found in our christian walk was that we could reach outside of ourselves mm. and ask God for help. And when we reached out and asked God for help, he actually got involved in our lives and opened doors and helped helped us to function, help us to get a new start in life. So mm. that's what I want to encourage our listeners, listeners with today, mm. that when you face big life-altering changes, and I can tell you, you change when you become a parent, Mm-hmm. Um, you can reach outside yourself and God will be there if you just reach out and ask him to help you. Mm, indeed. Thank you, David, for sharing that beautiful story, uh, beautiful and inspiring indeed. And I believe that you do get to that point in life where you actually learn to rely on God. And uh, it's really good when you get to that point because um, then you worry less. Mm. Um, and just to remind our listeners of our show number, it's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one um zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Save it down if you don't have it saved as Tazen County's number, and you can use it to text any questions, any feedback, or any comments that you may have. Um, we like to hear from you. And uh, also, just uh, to remind you, you can listen to our programs through the Faith FM app which you can get from the App Store or the Faith FM website, which is uh, faithfm.com.au. And there you can um, catch up with our previous programs that have already been done. Um, David, did you want to give a brief summary of uh, what you covered last week? Yeah, and I'll also give you an intro to what we're doing this week. So last week we saw that the Messiah was God. So uh, this is God in the flesh, if you like, um, Jesus of Nazareth. That's that's who the Messiah was, and he was more than just a man. Mm. Today when we look at our, our, our talk entitled Good God, Bad World, we're going to look at the character of God and what he's like because we look around us and we see a terrible, you know, terrible things and people attribute that to God. So we need to look at the character of God and we'll do that first by uh, reading a small passage in Exodus. But uh, first I think we should pray. Okay. Let me pray. Okay. <clears throat> Lord, we want to thank you that we can open your word today. And as we open it, I ask you'd give us all understanding to be able to hear something perhaps we've never heard before. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, uh, Tabitha, would you mind reading Exodus 34? We're going to read from the New King James today, Exodus 34, 5 to 9. Okay, I can read that. Um, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, yes, my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Thanks, Tabitha. Here you see Moses 
asking for justice, but more than justice, mm-hmm. he God tells him the kind of God he is. Mm-hmm. And this is very important that we understand. <coughs> pardon me, I have a bit of a croak this morning. It's important that we understand who God is, the character of God. Because as we understand who God is and his character, it helps us to better interpret what we read in the Bible. And we're going to dig into that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. My first illustration is about real justice, real justice, not pretended justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a man by the name of Richard Phillips, and he's actually gone down in history as the man who has spent more time in jail wrongly accused oh. than any other person in history. I mean, <clears throat> who'd want to go to jail for something they didn't do? That's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, another man admitted after this 45 years, another man actually admitted to the murder that Phillips was jailed for. Oh, no. 45 yeah, years. 45 years he spent in jail. This is in America. And mm. when he was exonerated and released, he was compensated for the wrongful imprisonment. But how can you be compensated for you know half your life in prison? Mm. It's very difficult. They can give you financially, but they can't give you back that time. Imagine his joy at finally seeing real justice served. I had a picture of him. I've seen the picture. And this man is just glowing that he's been able to be exonerated. Um, and he, he spent, you know, the best part of his life in prison, really. And in 2018, at 73 years of age, he's finally free. He sees real justice. And, you know, there are many people still in prison today around the world Mm-hmm. who are wrongly accused. Mm. Um, they shouldn't be there. And perhaps there's some people out in the world uh, who should be in jail. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, it's <clears throat> it's an uneven it's balance. Yeah. It is. But in the spiritual realm, as we are delving into the spiritual things today, we're all imprisoned here on this earth. And it's simply as a consequence of being born into this world of sin. We had it like it's not our responsibility. It's not our fault that we're born into this world of sin. And we do sin, but it seems like we're imprisoned here and there's no real justice. We're going to talk about that justice today. And perhaps you'd like to um, mention the uh, listener question. Mm. Sure. Um, or, or an example you might have. <laughs> yeah, I remember there was one time I was beaten by my dad and the reason he beat me was because he said I didn't use to wash my face before going to school. Oh, and uh, so I was beaten alongside my sister who had done like um, something bad. Um, I can't mm. remember what it was, but I felt like her, you know, the discipline she received was justified, but what I received was not fair. So I can't even imagine mm. what this man, um, Richard Phillips, I yeah. uh, felt like uh, I can't even compare my illustration to his. No. But anyway, um, we encourage our listeners to text us over time. They've felt um, judged unfairly and mm. how it made you feel and if you eventually got justice um, and how that made you feel. Uh, please text us your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. 88 We'd like to hear from you. Now we're going to listen to this song, Wonderful, Merciful Savior by Sila. Wonderful, merciful Savior. 
Possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back to Tazian Counties, and that was wonderful, merciful Savior by Sila. Mm. And you're listening to Tazian Counties with David Maxwell, and uh, David is presenting the topic Good God, Bad World. And uh, before the break, we asked a listener question, and we encourage our listeners to text us of if they've ever been in a situation where they were judged unfairly and how it made you feel, and if you eventually got justice, and how you felt after you got justice. Uh, please text us your responses to 0488-880-891. Um, we'd like to hear from you. And also we have a free offer today, and this is a book called Investi- In- Investigating the Judgment, and uh, it's a revolution revolutionally look at God's total fairness and relentless efforts to save us. And that is by John Anderson. And we'll give you more information about that a bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, So now we're looking at this new series entitled The Coming King. um, And this is like, is it the fifth episode, is it, or the fourth? This is the fourth one in this series. Yeah, and today's topic is Good God, Bad World. And before the break, uh, David, you said that we are all imprisoned here on uh, on this earth. Um, this doesn't seem to be fair. It doesn't sound fair. Um, can you elaborate a little bit what you mean by that? 
Yeah, and it doesn't seem good either. We had a listener text in uh, talking about the sovereignty of God. What that means is um, how can God be in charge of everything if we see all this bad in the world today? As we go through, uh, hopefully we'll answer that question. But in essence, love has to include freedom. So for God to be love or loving... He must include freedom to make choices somehow. Otherwise, we'd be robots. There wouldn't be a service of love. Mm. So we're going to unpack that a little bit as we go through. But uh, if that doesn't answer, if our presentation doesn't answer the question uh, to our listener, please make sure you text in maybe some clarification on what you mean precisely, and we'll try and answer that for you next week. So God God has to be sovereign. And as we look at these verses today, um, it seems that there's something going on that's beyond our control. But first, let me clarify something we read earlier. Very important for these particular verses. So first and foremost, in these verses, it's important to uh, clarify our picture of God. The picture of God's character. Um, In this verse that we read, you know, we read, this is not someone recording, this is what I think about God. This is God telling Moses, this is who I am. So God is saying he's merciful, he's gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's the three kinds of sin, rebellious sin, accidental sin, or unintentional sin, and um, sin that you have no idea that it's wrong and you're doing it. That's the three kinds of sin. Mm-hmm. When we come to God, it's, he's saying here that he will forgive all of that sin, any, any kind of disobedience, if we come to him. Mm-hmm. And most people have no trouble with that part of the verse. What they struggle with is the next part where it says, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting, or some versions say punishing, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I'd like to explain that sentence. Mm -hmm. So this word visiting that's often been misused in the Hebrew is pakad, and it it means to visit or look at, and it also means to avenge and afflict um, afflict punishment or punish. Mm -hmm. And it's the context where this verse, this word is used that helps to define how you should translate it. So if you look in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 2, Isaiah 13, 11, Zechariah 10, 3, Mm -hmm. you can interpret it as punish. God is punishing those people. Mm -hmm. When you look at it in Genesis 21, 1, it's in the context of visiting or looking at God comes to see what's going on. You know, like in the Garden of Eden. We'll talk about that in a moment. And in Exodus 20, there's a clarification. This is before this section. Mm -hmm. In Exodus 20, there's a clarification that God uses um, in this um, phrase, in this particular phrase. And he says uh, that he visits or, or um, uh, yeah, he visits, comes to look at the those who hate him. That's what it says. It says um, in chapter 20 and verse 5, it says the, that he does that visiting on those who hate him. Now, this shows me that God is persistent. Mm-hmm. If it's to visit or look at what's going on and he's doing it for those who hate him, 
he is persistent to try and get through to those people. I think of Nebuchadnezzar at this point. Mm -hmm. So when I think of Nebuchadnezzar, he was persistently resisting God. Now, if you consistently resist God, he consistently pursues you, if you like, Mm -hmm. to try and try everything possible to give you every opportunity to make a change. He won't force you your, your choice. He won't force your decisions, but he wants to give you every opportunity. Mm. So in these verses we're looking at in uh, Exodus, we see God's character displayed the best because that's how this is meant to be understood when you look at other verses in the Bible. In Exodus 34, 7, the word generations, as we read um, <coughs> visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That word's been added by the translations, uh, translators to give context to the third and the fourth. It, it would make less sense in English to just say to the children to the third and fourth. We would say third and fourth what? So they've added that generation because that's what's intended. Mm. So too, you should add it then, when it talks earlier of God being merciful for thousands, you know, like it says to the third and fourth, also for thousands, you should add generations in there as well. Mm -hmm. That would then read, keeping mercy for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, but coming to visit or see the disobedient misdeeds of the parents to the children of the third and fourth generation, of those that hate me. That would give you the right context of what God is saying here because in this he's summarizing what he has said in Exodus 25, Mm -hmm. 20 and verse 5. Mm -hmm. God is persistent for the lost. Mm -hmm. On another note, each generation we go back... um, Um, This is by UC Davis, Population and Evolutionary Genetics. Um, Each generation we go back, our number of ancestors double. So what I mean by that is if I have one grandmother, one grandfather, Mm -hmm. each of those had a parent. And so I have four great-grandparents, or sorry, four um, great... um, If I have one mother, one father, each of those has a mother and a father, I have four grandparents. And so each time it goes back, it doubles. So too, when you go back each generation, it halves the amount of genome or or, or, um, um, the genes that I receive on average from a particular ancestor. This is important because when you go back three generations, Mm -hmm. a single ancestor only affects you about 14%. If you go back four generations, only about 7%. So one particular person in your um, uh, ancestry has very minimal effect on your overall makeup. Mm -hmm. Now imagine if you were punished, as some people have said, for all those sins. That that wouldn't seem fair. That wouldn't seem right. But God is good in that he's designed us so that while much of the good that comes through our genes uh, can be attributed to our past as well, the mm-hmm. bad of a single particular person in our distant past won't have a severely negative impact on us. So God is good. He's minimized the ability of past actions to have an impact on us personally. Mm-hmm. So rather than showing that God is a tyrant, punishing people for things they have no responsibility for, this then shows that God is good. 
mm-hmm. in the overall context of the Bible, that is, Tabitha, mm-hmm. um, to say that uh, this topic on the nature and character of God, God is actually good and fair. You know, After finishing creating everything, he pronounces it all good, if we go back to the creation story, and there wasn't any sin or death or anything in this perfect world. But mankind wasn't alone, and something happened in Genesis, something happened in Genesis. So, you know, if we're going back to what people say about we're all guilty for Adam and Eve's sin, well, that's that's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. We are all trapped by Adam and Eve's sin, but mm-hmm. we're not guilty of it. Mm-hmm. We're only guilty of our own sin. <clears throat> so we're, we're running out of time for this section, but what I did want to share here is that mm-hmm. God tells Adam, don't eat the fruit. Then he creates Eve. Adam tells Eve, this is what God said. Later on, they're, in, uh, they're, they're both together in the garden, but it seems that Adam and Eve are separate from each other. Mm-hmm. And Eve's at the tree, and there's this discussion that happens with Eve and the serpent. Now, if Adam was present right there with her, Mm-hmm. then there would have been a different discussion that happened. The, you know, the, the serpent would have addressed both of them, but in the, even in the gender of the words that's used, it's singular where he talks to Eve, and then later it's plural when the two of them are together. Mm-hmm. So here we see that Eve is deceived, Adam chooses to stay with her and also pick the fruit and eat it. Mm-hmm. Mankind fails in their choice of who they want to obey. Mm. They they want more than they actually have. There's a there's a um uh, illustration I wanted to use about wanting more. Uh, at the Verdi Festival in 1956 there was a famous Italian conductor Arturo Toscanini and he was taking a number of conte- uh, concerts but he wasn't able to do them all. And another rival came along and said, "Look, I'll do them." But I want to be paid one one lira more than Tosc- Toscanini was. So he, they say, righto, no worries. Uh, he does the concert and he receives exactly one lira. And he's frustrated because he says, why did I only get one lira? He says, because Toscanini was doing it for free as a tribute to Verdi. Mm-hmm. This rival wanted more, and he ended up with basically nothing. And this is what happens with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. God has given them everything but they want more, mm. and as they choose more, they end up with next to nothing. Mm. You know, God intended eternal life. They get three score and ten. Mm. <laughs> well, um, so see, it's, mm. it's, it's, God's, it's not God's fault mm. that they fail. It's mm-hmm. not God's fault that they fail. They shorten their own life. Indeed. You know, that's an important point there that I want to make. Mm. Indeed. Um, have you ever been judged unfairly? How did it make you feel? Did you eventually get justice out of it? And how did you feel after you got justice? Um, text us your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Uh, we're going to listen to this song, Satisfied by Bethany Dillon.
guide you in depravity, needing your mercy even in my first hour. I'm proof the cross is as able today as when the Lamb was slain on the Satisfied by Bethany Dillon, and you're listening to Taz Encounters, and uh, you're listening to David Maxwell today. Um, David, so as we're looking at the character of God to try um, to understand how we can have a good God, but still see so much bad in the world, uh, what else can you tell us about this today? David, are you there? Yes, I am here. Sorry, I muted it and I forgot to unmute it. I got caught. <laughs> so, look, thanks for that, Tabitha. Yeah, so before the break, I said that although God wanted more for us, our disobedience was what spoiled God's plans. It wasn't God's fault. He said, you know, don't eat from the tree. It's not good for you. Satan, the deceiver, comes along through that serpent and he says, no, God's not telling the truth. You can eat and you're not going to die. And so they eat, and under these ex- these circumstances, how how can then God be sovereign? How can God show his good character and love towards these rebellious humans who have now disobeyed him mm-hmm. and earned this result of death? Because God said, if you eat, you'll die. So how is God going to be sovereign? How is God going to show his love mm-hmm. at the same time as being just? This is a difficulty for God. However... <clears throat> When God uncovers their sin, he doesn't punish them with immediate death. Mm. In the Hebrew, it says, in dying, you will die. That's that's the, the sentence God puts on them. Mm. He says, if you eat, then when you die, you'll die. That's the end of it. There's, there's no more life after that. Satan comes along and says, no, that's not true. You'll, you'll keep living. You're not going to die. Mm. 
And that's a lie that we see even today. Um, so Jesus, you know, God comes and he visits with their sin. You know, Adam and Eve have sinned. They're hiding in the garden somewhere. God comes and visits or sees and inspects what they've done. Now, think about what we've already talked about, his character. Mm-hmm. God needs to show his love and his justice. So the death penalty for disobedience has already begun because now they're cut off from the source of life. They've chosen a different leader, a different allegiance, if you like. And eventually all of creation is going to feel this painful uh, sting of death. But first and foremost is the immediate substitute for their sin. Now, let me read in Genesis 3. This is what God does mm-hmm. as, as, he, um, as he passes the punishment or, or the judgment onto them. And he says um, that, that the, let me see, in chapter 3 and verse 15 of Genesis, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. This is talking to the serpent. Mm-hmm. And you shall bruise his heel. The, the, the serpent's seed, sometime down in history, mm-hmm. this, the serpent is going to damage the seed of the woman. And that seed is singular, talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy about what Satan will do. Uh, he he will injure Christ, but Christ will crush Satan, crush his head. Mm-hmm. And this is showing God's love and his judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, he condemns the serpent, but he gives a promise at the same time. And this Messiah, this, this one, this seed that he's talking about, is the Messiah or the anointed one that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. So in stark illustration of how it occurs, God performs the first practical illustration of how this, was hap- how this will happen. Now, the purpose of an illustration is that something is used, God uses, Jesus did this a lot in his parables, he uses something that we can relate to to help us understand Understand something we don't understand mm-hmm. to help us to draw those pictures together. That's what an illustration is. Mm-hmm. A little bit like I used in that uh, illustration of the man who was locked up for 45 years um, and, and how that was unjust. But eventually he sees justice. And then we can draw a parallel in our mind to, oh, that's how God works, where we, we are unjustly condemned, if you like, because we had nothing to do with the sin of Adam and Eve. However, God does something to set us free. So that's the purpose of an illustration. And in this first illustration of what God does to save us, he sacrifices an innocent lamb and he clothes them with its sin. So God does the first sacrifice. And this illustration of a lamb in the garden is perfect because the lamb had to die. The lamb did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. The people had. But this is God's illustration of what Jesus will actually do. Jesus did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And yet he dies for us. And he becomes what the Bible calls the second Adam. Adam and Eve were meant to be sons of God. And we know that because if we go to um, Job... We have this, record, this, this story recorded of the sons of God coming to meet. And Adam and Eve aren't there. Satan comes as a representative of earth and they have this discussion together. The other sons of God are obedient followers of God, obedient creations, if you like. And Paul takes up this subject sharing this analogy about um, 
the purpose of Jesus coming when we go to 1 Corinthians 15, 47. And he says, The first man was on earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven, talking about Jesus. So he, he brings in this idea of the second Adam, the one that comes and takes the place of mankind. The first Adam fails. Now the second Adam, Jesus, comes to do what Adam failed to do. He shows that it's possible to be obedient to God in the form of a man. And in doing so, in, in, in Jesus being obedient to God's commandments, he restores humankind's status, the whole of humankind, as the sons of God for all who follow after Jesus. Um, Galatians 3.26 actually says this. Um, Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God. Mm. through faith in Jesus. So Jesus has actually restored mankind's status, if you like, so that now if we choose to follow Jesus, if we accept his sacrifice on our behalf, we become sons of God again. That's, mm. that's really powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. And in a previous presentation, we showed that Jesus was born in 4 BC, died in 31, then he was seen alive by, by extra-biblical sources. Remember, we read from Josephus how he saw and he recognized Jesus three days later. And so that's outside the Bible, somebody writing and saying, yes, he actually did rise from the dead. He rises and breaks the shackles of the tomb on that first Passover Sunday, and he triumphs over Satan. Mm-hmm. He triumphs over Satan. Jesus becomes the first legitimate Son of God, or as John puts it, the firstborn from the dead. And where Adam fails Mm -hmm. to maintain the status, David fails to maintain the status, King David that is, Israel as a nation fails, but in his life, death and resurrection, Mm -hmm. Jesus restored mankind's status before God and all who now accept his sacrifice can have the title, Mm -hmm. you can have the title, daughter of God. I can have the title, Mm -hmm. son of God. Mm -hmm. So Jesus becomes the second Adam, and also the Lamb of God, and he fulfills the obedience of the law mm-hmm. and becomes the substitute for those who can't. Mm. And I think that's really, really powerful. It is, and it's so beautiful. And mm. it just shows how much God loves us. Um, we're about Absolutely. To, yeah, um, we are about to go for a break, uh, but I just want to give some information, <clears throat> excuse me, about the offer that we are giving today. And... Um, the offer is this book um, titled Investiga- Investigating Judgment, and it's a revolutionary look at God's total fairness and relentless effort to save us. And uh, this book is by John Anderson. Um, why have any judgment at all? Could God be interested in showing himself to be fair? Uh, this book is, is the culmination of 20 years of study. The author delves into Jewish traditions of Yom Kippur, and analyzes the meaning of Sadak, um, that is in brackets cleansed in Daniel 8 verses 14, and that is by tracing its use in dozens of passages. He examines accounts of divine retribution from Genesis to Revelation and finds that God follows consistent patterns in the process inviting his creatures to investigate before he executes judgment. Um, And this book um, will inspire a deeper faith in one of the clear teachings of the scripture. Um, We'll give you the code uh, to get the book. But for now, we're going to listen to this song, A New Creation by Carly Fletcher. 
by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was A New Creation by Carly Fletcher. And uh, you're listening to Taz Encounters with David Maxwell today. And uh, before we went for a break, I promised to give you the code to get the book um, Investigating the Judgment. And that, that is by John Anderson. Um, the code to get the book is KING4, 
um, text King number four, no space in between to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and um, we'll be able to send that book to you. Investigating the judgment, um, David. Before the break, you mentioned that God demonstrated His great love towards us through the actions of Jesus when He came to this earth. Do you have anything else to share before we wrap up today? Uh, yes, I do. Thanks, Tabitha. Now, one thing I just wanted to remind our listeners of is you need to get in quickly if you want to get a copy of that book. We only have five copies of that book to give away, Investigating the Judgment. Powerful, powerful book as it looks very deeply into that um, the, God's fairness, God's fairness and his uh, his attempt to save us, and that's very, very important. You know, Thanks we, we talked... That. Yeah, that's okay. You know, we talked about we talked about how important God's judgment is. We talked about how important his character of love is and it is important to see that God is just. But he's forgiving, but he's also just. Uh, we also looked at that 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 point that God doesn't judge us for something we didn't do. Uh, and we can see a clarification of this, and this balances in with what we've looked at in Exodus there, when God is explaining his character, and it expands on what it means by, by, by God not, um, not, not judging everybody and passing on the judgment of your parents onto you and your grandparents and all of that. In Exodus, uh, sorry, Ezekiel 18, very clearly God says, he repeats this more than once to Ezekiel. He says, the soul that sins will die. And it turns on the head. Even their thinking of the day was that the, that generational curse or the generational punishment. God turns it on the head and he says, no, that's not right. Read Ezekiel 18, please. Go, um, our readers, take that and read it very, very carefully. He says, specifically, it's the soul that sins will die. And he repeats it. And then he also says, I don't have any pleasure in the death of the wicked. I, I don't have any pleasure in the death of them at all. I'm striving to save them. And if people turn back to me, then I'll save them. But if they, if they then, after turning back to me, they walk away from me again and say, that's it, I don't want anything to do with God, not, not just make mistakes and fall over, but they turn away from God completely, he says, well, you won't be saved. So it's not a once saved, always saved. It's a staying saved relationship with God that's important. And we cry out for this kind of justice. You remember Richard Phillips, mm-hmm. you know, 45 years he sought genuine justice and then he was freed for a crime he didn't, um, from that sentence for the crime he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Mankind is crying out for that kind of justice. And this is the kind of justice God gives us. You know, he speaks in Romans uh, Seven through Paul, both to Greeks and non, um, sorry, Jews and non non Jews, mm-hmm. and he says that uh, God, God's law actually tells me that I'm doing the wrong thing, and it hasn't changed. It's holy, it's just, it's good, it's that highest standard for us. But because His laws are perfect and good, only those who obey them will get to heaven. And we say, well, hey, that's that's impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus came for. He mm-hmm. came to live that perfect life so when we fail and we fall in our Christian walk, we can go to him and say, oh, can you please restore me again? And he says, yes, I'll restore you. Mm-hmm. And so when sin is committed, there has to be the death of the sinner. So in in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 it says god made him that's christ who knew no sin 
to be sin for us. So when we give Jesus our sin, God looks at it as it's Jesus' sin, mm-hmm. and he punishes, he's punished Jesus for it. Mm. And so that's how completely we are set free. Mm-hmm. So God's justice says sin results in death. So Jesus pays the price. He pays our death. And then it goes on to say that we might be the righteousness of God through him. Mm. So in Jesus' righteousness, mm-hmm. we then can have that freedom from the sentence. And and that doesn't seem fair, but this is the way God deals with that conflict. He deals with that sin. Mm. So, you know, what hope is there for us? Well, the hope is in the Lamb. The hope is in the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And John the Baptist declares, as Jesus comes through the crowd, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Mm. So Jesus is the legitimate second Adam. He's the legitimate Son of God. Paul says that he's the firstborn from the dead. He is is the, the first legitimate Son and he pays for our sin. He breaks free of the tomb on that first resurrection Sunday and he defeats Satan. He takes back the ownership of the world, if you like. And this is how God shows his his sovereignty, his justice, and his love all together. So whenever I have a question about the goodness of God, Tabitha, Mm -hmm. and surrounded by the bad I see in the world today, I go and I reread Exodus 34, 5 to 7, and then I can reframe what I'm looking at in that light. Mm -hmm. I see that, yes, God is love, God is just, God is good, but he also has to deal with sin and get rid of it in the world. Mm-hmm. And so this this is how I see does it through Jesus of Nazareth, the God in the flesh. He comes and pays for that price himself so the law can still be upheld. And this was so that we might understand the depth of his love, but also share in his life. And in 1 John 5.12, it says, he who has the son has life. He who doesn't have the son doesn't have life and my question to our listeners today is Mm. do you have the son of god in your life today because that's what we need and i think that can be a daily reflection every morning when you wake up yeah ask yourself that question and i feel like that will help us a lot in um, maintaining a good relationship with god Mm. Um, thank you so much for that powerful sharing um i really hope our listeners have been blessed um, we had a listener texting, uh, Michael. He said, Injustice is the result of the fallen nature of man. Mm. Um, Christ came into the world to offer both salvation and execute judgment. The yes. believing Jews would escape the horrific judgment of 70 AD. Um, thank you, Michael, for sharing that with us. And we also had someone else. Um, we don't have the name. Uh, who shared uh, a time where, when they felt um, treat, that they were treated in an unjust way. Um, mm. So this person has said, I felt cheated and hurt when someone, someone, when another man married, another married man was involving himself in my marriage and mm. was having a close inappropriate relationship with my wife, uh, my ex-wife or my previous wife. Um, this led mm. to the breakdown of my marriage to my first wife I was angry and wanted to get revenge but Mm. I believed in the Bible verse that says revenge is mine says Mm. the Lord so I did not take any revenge eventually I had 
um, his own marriage had broken apart. I felt God had at least partially provided justice and vindication. <coughs> you can't do the wrong thing and expect no consequence. Mm. And um, so for this person, the judgment was in that I was being made out to be a jealous, paranoid husband. And my <coughs> wife and the man tried to justify their relationship which was very inappropriate. Eventually, they moved in together, but it did not last long. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know that took courage. Uh, we thank you for that. And we really hope that you have that peace in your heart now. Um, thank you for joining us today. And uh, what do you have for us next week, um, David? Yeah, next week, um, the whole series title, The Coming King, I have a special presentation that talks about the coming king. In that presentation, mm -hmm. we'll look at where we are in history and when this king uh, said he was coming back. So we've looked at who's the king. Now we're going to look at a set of the series that look at when he's coming back. Okay. Join us, join us next week on Friday, same time, to learn more about that. And um, on Monday, we have David, and David will be talking about turning the tables. And also to remind um, our listeners, the offer to get the book for today is King 4, to get the book Investigating the Judgment. Um, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day, wherever you are, and we are going out with this song, All the Time in the World, by Matt and Josie Minikas. I see you stress and fret Have you got an ulcer yet? Worries eating you inside out Deadlines are need met Not a moment left Always in a hurry What's your worry? Why the big hurry? I've got all the time in the world So why don't you let go Love what you can't control It's a constant crazy frenzy But if time's of the essence Then you need my presence So may I ask you a question What's your worry? Why the big hurry? I've got all the time in the world So why don't you let go Of what you can't control seconds well i've got ways you're out of options well i still got thousands so tell me what's your problem